The Phoenix Suns go to the Big Easy, New Orleans, Louisiana, and they avenge a loss that occurred on February 25th, a 15-point loss in in which both C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram toasted them. And I'm sure if you were asked, Devin Booker, Matthew, if the team needed any sense of motivation to beat this New Orleans team, they would simply recall that loss and say, hey, we don't need any motivation. We know what happened. They kicked our ass, and that's what they did tonight. They kicked the Pelicans' ass 55-14 and 14 for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, that's all they need. And who are you calling Big, e- Big Easy? Is that – you call me Big Easy? No, that's – what you call New Orleans, man? Oh, it's like calling <laughs> Phoenix the Valley. I'm also going to call you the. I'm you're joking, the, dude. I'm you're joking. the Big Easy Valley. How about that? All right, that's fine. So <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. I knew um, it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, good game tonight, dude. I, you know, I didn't really realize, and before when we talked about this game, I forgot that they did blow out the Suns before, mm-hmm. and until you brought it up now, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Why Booker was up on the bench the whole game, and his leadership tonight just went up another notch without Chris Paul there. Um, that explains it. But obviously, Booker wants to win every game, so I just thought that was just a normal thing for him. Absolutely. And that's the competitive nature in which he operates. And again, he is one of those guys who we talked about it a little bit with Coach Evan B on our last podcast, that he just has that gene, that fuck you gene, that I'm going to find a reason why I should dominate you, Gene. Uh, that Gene Lissy, if you will, where, <laughs> where he is just looking to find a reason to go out and try to snatch your soul. And this was a game tonight that potentially could have gotten away from the Phoenix Suns. The Pelicans came out on fire. They were hitting everything from deep. And then they started to navigate the interior. You know, when you start Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas, that's going to happen. And there was plenty of reasons and ways I felt like the Phoenix Suns could have dropped this game because the game script wasn't really in their favor. But when you have the likes of Devin Booker, who's going to continue to push himself and continue to push his teammates to excellence, excellence is what you ultimately end up with. It's like, what's that saying? Shoot for the star or shoot for the moon. If you miss, you'll land among the stars. And that's what Devin Booker did tonight. He landed among the stars and guided his team to their 55th victory of the season. Yeah, and I am not in the stars. I'm not high tonight. I do look sleepy probably because I don't know why. I'm very tired. <laughs> why are I you cannot, tired, Matthew? I don't know. You know, it's not like a lack of sleep really, but something just hit me today, dude, where I'm just super tired. So. It's watching that anime, bro. That <laughs> shit makes you, that rocks your it. mind. It might be it, man. <laughs> it's like, oh, great, man. We're going to have uh, all the anime people coming out for us. So plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Thank you for joining us, whether you're watching along live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, or you're listening to the podcast at a later time and date. We appreciate you spending a few moments with us. I'm John. He's Matthew. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow him. Matthew, let's see. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. Give us a follow and a like and a rate and a review there if you like. We'd appreciate it. We would. Uh, plenty to talk about when it comes to this game against the Pelicans tonight. Again, the Suns win 131 to 115. So uh, plenty to talk about. And uh, we'll, we'll try to wake Matthew up. You know, that's our goal. Podcast, <laughs> we're going to wake him up. We're going to have some thoughtful yeah. and deep Please. discussions about 
DeAndre Ayton's shoe choice tonight, and maybe that'll perk Matthew up into by the time this podcast is ending, he can't sleep because he's so awake. Yeah, right? help me jam. Yeah, help me jam, sir. Stay awake, please. And plus, John has the energy of three hundred people right now, so I think help he me can, jamsters. Help, okay. help me jamsters. Help me jamsters. Wake Matthew up. Oh yeah, let's go. Oh, I forgot to pop mine open. Oh, you don't have anything. It's I got water. Yes, a 131 to 115 win for your Phoenix Suns as they start game one of two uh, of a back to back tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans, tomorrow against those uh, Houston Rockets. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to ask something totally different, Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. Did you see that today the United States Senate passed the Sunshine Protection Act? If the ha- the House passes it as well, we'll never see 8 p.m. Suns games again. Yes. It's going to get rid of daylight savings and all that stuff. Did you see that? I did see that. As long as Biden signs it and it goes through, then uh, no more 8 o'clock games and no more even tired Matthew Paul to see over here, right? <laughs> so that's it's exciting. Seven thirty at night, and you're like tired. You know, I heard something about the soil's not as good and with nutrition anymore and nutrients. So I guess it I know matter. what it is. Does you've that... gone gluten free. You've hit like ketosis right now. So you're at that point where it's like you've lost all energy. <laughs> you know and then that like might after be a good. day of that, then all of a sudden you'll start yeah. like burning fat and you'll be al- you'll be alive. Meanwhile, I'm over here sucking on a Coors Light full of gluten. I got this. I can pull through. I might have to just exit out here pretty soon, but you got us, John, right? I got you. I got you. But yes, I know this is a weird topic to start the podcast off with, but this is fun. For those of you who live in Arizona, we never change our clocks forward or back, right? Spring forward and fall back. That's never been something for us. But if you live in Arizona, you know that for half of the year, your sports start at one time. And for the other half of the year, your sports start at another time. So prior to November, if the Phoenix Suns play the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, the Warriors, or the Portland Trailblazers all on the West Coast, those games start at 7 p.m., which means we record our podcast right around eh, 9.15 at night. Once November hits, from November to March until this past weekend, all of those games occur at 8 p.m. our time because you know we don't observe anything, but the whole country moves around us. So I was excited to hear that. Once I heard that today, I was at work and I ran into the sales office and I was telling the girls there, I'm like, oh my God, the Senate passed the the, the Sunshine Protection Act. And they're like, one, who the fuck are you, new guy? Two, get the fuck out of my office. And three, what are you talking about? That's not like but I thought it was there? what's that? Yeah, it's really it's an it's an aggressive, it's an aggressive environment. Uh, but again, it makes me excited because for us. As Arizonans, that means we'll never have to do a podcast at like 1030 at night because the game started at 8 p.m. All of those 8 p.m. games are already behind us because of daylight savings time occurring this past uh, weekend. But still, I was excited about that, and I thought I'd lead off the show with that. Uh, Clearly, 
I'm just different. No, it's cool. And I love the seven o'clock games, eight o'clock too late. These five o'clock games suck because I'm driving through traffic on the way home. It takes me like an hour to get home. So mm -hmm. I'm listening to it in my Beats earphone because my radio just doesn't work anymore because my car is super fucking old. So that went out. Mm. So now I'm trying to listen to this game on my, in my, on my Beats AirPods. And that's probably illegal, right? You can't be listening to that stuff, right? <laughs> you can't have stuff in your ears, right? Anymore? Now, I don't think it's legal for you to do that, but just one in your ear i think one in your ear is okay right i think that's okay um we'll go ahead and ask so says jay from the fanny the flames podcast if that's oh, okay. sustained or if that's overruled all right uh but yeah so uh, again just excited about that and i'm excited and I'm about this high. win you know right, sorry and everyone's just saying i'm big i'm not Sonia <laughs> says lissy had a 100 seconds. milligram edible i would not um, my head keep falling off right nothing now, wrong with that lissy you know it's it's yeah. funny Matthew's right. Matthew's alive and well, folks. He's just a I'm little good. groggy because he's gone gluten free. He's trying the ketosis thing and it drains you of your energy and your personality. And then whenever you go anywhere, you tell everyone you're gluten free or you have to let every waiter know you're like, hey, just so you know, even though I order <laughs> something that's gluten free, I'm telling you I'm gluten free <laughs> to ensure that everyone at the table knows what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. And then what will happen is you'll go and you'll start doing CrossFit and you won't know if you want to talk about being gluten free or CrossFitter first and your mind will explode. Yeah, and everyone just hates you. It says, go fuck yourself, yeah. right? Yeah, they're yeah. like, okay, you're better than us. You don't eat gluten. <laughs> you are an amazing human being. Good for you. You lose your weight. I'm going to go eat some ice cream now and cry. Uh, I'm going to go eat my feelings. Story of my life. <laughs> Anyways, Suns, uh, Pelicans, going against Willie Green, a guy who we all respect and love, a guy who knows how to uh, give the Suns a hard time. You know, you look at how they've, they've played each other this season. couple good matchups. Suns lost the last one simply due to the rebounding deficiencies that occurred because the Pelicans start Jackson Hayes at power forward and Jonas Valanciunas at center. And early on, it kind of looked like that was going to be something that's really going to hurt the Phoenix Suns. Uh, through the first half, second chance points, the Pelicans were outscoring the Suns 17-3. to uh, Offensive rebounds. They had eight. The Suns had two. Um, it was just kind of that same old story where you felt like the Phoenix Suns were falling back into this hole of we can't rebound. And what made it, me really interested, Matthew, is the fact that we didn't see Monty Williams pull that trigger on a JaVale McGee slash DA lineup or a JaVale McGee slash Bismack or a Bismack slash Aiton lineup. Yeah, yeah. So tell me what you saw from the rebounding efforts from the Pelicans and why do you think Monty didn't decide to pull that trigger? You know, there might be a couple of reasons. Uh, tomorrow night, I mean, we're, we're playing again, so maybe he's saving Bismack for that. But then I thought that before, too, with some other games where we were getting out-rebounded. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's saving Bismack um, for the next game. And it wasn't even the case because Bismack didn't even play the next game on the back-to-back. -back. Um, so I think this thing with Bismack playing with McGee, which I do love, and Bismack playing with Aiden, mm -hmm. and Bismack taking um, Torrey Craig's minutes at certain times when – you know, Tory Craig's playing the four and he can't even box out when Hermaphrodite's basically grabbing boards over the top of Tory Craig. Then it's like th these might be Bismack minutes and they might need to be, but it's like something that he waits for till the very, very end. Like if he really, really has to. I think the only thing that really held him back is because the Suns could, they kept the lead basically the whole game. I know at the end of the second half, the, uh, the Hornet. Oh my gosh. The Pelicans. <laughs> this is going to suck. The Pelicans. All right. <clears throat> the Pelicans. Ah, here we go. All right. The Pelicans actually, you know, they're making the big run to come back into the game. And, um, 
I thought right then and there, maybe going to the next half, they might pull that off. But then they kept the lead. I think Booker did a really good job of leading the team in every category tonight, defense, offense, whatever mm-hmm. he had to do on the floor. Um, but I was really focused on to see if Bismack would come in. It never happened. But I just like the lead kept pushing up further and further and further. And then I cared less and less and less as the game went along. <laughs> Matthew, I think you care less and less about life right now, and you know, <laughs> no, we're, we're 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 here we're here to help you through I it. I should have said anything. <laughs> well, no, I mean, ultimately, what helped the Suns survive that first half was their three point shooting, because despite all the statistics that I just read off in the first half, the Phoenix Suns were eleven of eighteen from three, and they took into that first half an eight point lead. But it was a very uneasy feeling because you knew that they were being dominated on the glass. And the realization came to me. You know, there was a few podcasts ago when we played against, I think it was the Knicks, and DA went for eight and three. And I trashed him, right? I was livid about DA because he had Mitchell Robinson right there. And Mitchell Robinson, plus the fact that the guards were having a hard time to, you know, sticking to their defenders, DA would come off of Mitchell Robinson, go for a block, do some sort of shot deterrence. Uh, we saw it with R.J. Barrett, who I believe went 9 for 20 from the field, or maybe even worse, yeah, 9 for 26. Yeah. Uh, but Mitchell Robinson feasted because D.A. had to come off of him. And when you're watching uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes dominate the glass the way that they did, and you realize, like, our four is Jay Crowder. And for everything that Jay Crowder is great at, he is, I would say, a like a C plus B minus on the rebounding front, but he's supposed to be your secondary rebounder. And I wasn't frustrated with DA who had, I'll I'll look it up right now, but I think he had five rebounds at the half. Incorrect. He had three rebounds at the half. He was 10 and three. Meanwhile, Valanchunas had seven rebounds. Uh, Jackson Hayes had eight points uh, and, and he had two rebounds, but he had a bunch of uh, putbacks. That's how he was scoring his. And I was just like, yeah, coach Evan B says in the chat, he says weak side rebounding, man. Like that's where we need to get off of Aiton and his lack of total rebounds and realize like he has to make up for any defenders' deficiencies if they let those their uh, playmaker get to the get to the rim, mm-hmm. and he can't he can't shot deter make up for their mistake on defense and get the rebound right. No, he he can't. And it was a lot of like what we were seeing before where he was like out by the perimeter, out further up the paint. Like he wasn't able to get back. And if he was, it would probably be a foul. Um, and it wasn't even, I don't, I don't think it was a whole lot of his effort either. It was just, he was so far away from the basket where he couldn't really do much. And uh, the nice thing is, like you said early on, it looked really bad. But yeah, the Sun Center's pointed out by R in the chat. Yes. The Sun Center's wore out Jonas, Valanchunas, Big V. They wore him out. I mean, that's what happens a lot in these games when you're like, man, these guys are killing the Suns, but you forget like these teams, especially like the Pelicans and like what the Raptors did where they're just, you know, they're kind of bottom feeders in the playoff standings. They're, they're fighting for something. They're playing the Suns. They want to get up. They have that energy. And it all comes a lot in the first half because you have to get up on the Suns if you can. If the Suns are yeah. in a shooting slump, there's your chance. Yep. But tonight that wasn't the, the that wasn't it, the option really for um, the Pelicans because the Suns were making their shots. But they do get worn down these teams because they put so much effort out there while Da and other players are kind of coasting a little bit in the first half, and then they turn on the second half. Yeah, and one a, a key moment in this game I feel is when Devin Booker who had a fantastic first quarter 
You know, as you mentioned, he did a lot in this game. A lot of it was in the first quarter where he scored 11 points. Uh, he had three assists, two rebounds, five for seven from the field, including one of one from deep, played all 12 minutes. I thought the, a big key in this game was entering the second quarter is how the Phoenix Suns respond. Because I feel like there's times, to your point, if, if the teams that we're playing against want to jump the Suns and have an opportunity to get some, you know, either keep it close or take a lead going into halftime, they do it in that segment of time, that five to six minutes in which Devin Booker's not on the floor right now. You know, because we don't have Chris Paul. We don't have that constant playmaker and somebody who can set up his teammates to the point where they can score consistently with Devin Booker off of the court. And the second quarter started. The Pelicans scored five quick points. I was like, ah, shit. You know, we were up eight. Now we're, or, I don't know, after one, I don't even think we were up eight. After one, we were up littering and littering and speeding. We were up four. So they came out and they scored five quick points and took the lead 34 to 33. And I was like, okay. I'm like, this is that key time. How do the Suns respond? And they responded with a 7-0 run. They responded with Mikael Bridges hitting a couple threes. And, and Mikael was really big in this game, in my opinion. He hit a bunch of shots dur during those periods of the game in which we needed some semblance of offense. The Warden. Now, Mikhail ends the night with 20 points, 7 of 14 from the field, including 4-5 from beyond the arc. He had the four personal fouls, but he also had three assists and three rebounds. And as I mentioned, Matthew, when the Suns needed scoring and it wasn't coming through Devin Booker through the first three quarters, Mikhail Bridges is the guy who really bridged, no pun intended, that gap for the Phoenix Suns to ensure that they still had scoring occurring against a pesky team that was getting second-chance points. And thankfully for the Suns, Four of those came from the super shot beyond the arc. Shazam! And, you know, again, helped the, the Phoenix Suns maintain their lead throughout. Yeah, what Mikhail's doing is he's basically the second scorer right now, and he is helping Booker because I feel like today's NBA, you need, like, the two guys. And the two guys is enough, I feel like, offensively, really to carry your team through the end of the game. Uh, usually it's Devin Booker. Usually it's Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Obviously, with Paul being out, Cameron Johnson was the guy that would help out when he was here and healthy. McHale's now the other guy. I feel like McHale's, McHale's really helping Booker. And you might say, like, oh, what about Aiden? You know, I think I just think Aiden gets his 18 points. Mm -hmm. And he's not really, you know, counted on to score, you know, in crucial times for the Suns to carry them. I think he's a really good help. He really is at certain times for the Suns. And he can, he's a guy that can help Mikhail Bridges on the floor and Booker at the same time. But you need those two scorers. And Mikhail's really stepped up as that guy. It's just like, you know, like the way the, the Nets are right now with Kyrie and KD. And that, those are out of this world. Those, those players are out of this world, of course. Yeah. Probably two of the top five players. But it's like, that's enough, right? You don't need like the James Harden. You just need like the two guys. And I'm not saying like Booker and McKill are that those guys. But Booker and Chris Paul are those dudes. And then when, when Paul's out, you need a guy like Bridges to step up offensively. And he's done it. It's crazy, man. He's really stepped up. Well, and think of the future of this franchise. Devin Booker's under contract for, I think, four more years. Uh, we now have McHale under contract for the next four years because his deal kicks in next year. And that's your Michael Jordan and your Scottie Pippen, if you will, right? Like, I don't know if they're nearly near the talent of those two players, but that's what you have. You have your premier scorer who can score in numerous different ways and is clutch. And then you have mm -hmm. your great defender, your 3 and D guy, uh, who can score as well. And knowing that that is locked up is does nothing but benefit us for the future because not only are they going to continue to excel, 
due to their age and how they're entering their prime. But players want to play with those kind of players. So when opportunities yeah. come in, we've seen that. I mean, that's what makes this Phoenix Suns roster who they are. You go back you know, to the bubble. Chris Paul sees the way that the Phoenix Suns uh, perform, that way that uh, Mikhail Bridges kind of steps into his own as a defender while Devin Booker's hitting huge buzzer beater, big dick buzzer beaters over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You can fast forward to the next season where both continue to grow and Chris Paul's a part of the team and they go to the NBA Finals. And now this year where they've just both kind of become these stone cold blooded killers when it comes to clutch moments when it comes to those big moments because again that's where you know Mikhail's not going to go out there and hit the game winning fadeaway three but what he is going to do is when the team needs a shot he's going to find a way to either create for himself or somebody else and that's why I thought you know we're going to get to the jam star a little bit later in the podcast but for three quarters of this game in my opinion it was Mikhail Bridges and that's even including a great performance you know by the man the myth the legend the big dick Big Dick Booker. I mean, Devin Booker tonight, 27 points, 11 for 20 from the field, 4 for 9 from beyond the arc, had 5 rebounds and 8 assists. And like I said, I wanted to give it to Mikhail Bridges. That's how impactful I felt he was tonight. What would you see from Devin Booker? And is he your – are you going to tell us who your jam star is already? <laughs> yeah. Or, or you, should we you wait? Heard it. <laughs> No, I'm gonna definitely get to book. Um, book's my jam star for sure. Um, I just think um, all game long, even when he's on the bench later in the game in the fourth quarter, supporting his teammates, like when Wainwright goes down for the end one, he's like holding his shoulders up. You know, he's yeah. all intimidating the way he walks. You know, things like that. Um, it was like his leadership tonight was really it's different because the Tuesday night, and I know that the Pelicans beat them before, but it's a Tuesday night. Suns win or lose, does it really matter? Yeah, not really. And it's it was a so-so performance. The Suns did shoot fifty plus percent from three, which totally helped, of course, that score. Um, but other than that, it was like a so-so performance. And Mikhail stepped up in a big way, but uh, McGee, of course, did great. But it was okay. But the reason why they blew this team out is because Booker just wanted it so bad, and it probably is because they beat him last time, but. I just think that the way he's stepping up in certain situations and almost like just the whole game, his energy is like, I'm winning this game. And it's not like I'm winning this game selfishly. It's yeah. like, I'm winning this game, making sure I set up everybody for, you know, success on the court. And that's exactly what he did all game long. I felt like, no, you're right. I mean, that that's why he had those eight assists is in that first quarter campaign. Wasn't overly effective. I feel uh, he did have uh, a total of eight assists in the game and, and three yeah. assists in that first quarter. But, he, you know, those first seven minutes and 46 seconds that he played, the team was clicking and, and they were fighting back against the Pelicans. Because, like I said, the Pelicans came out, uh, they were six for 13 from three, but they started the game, I believe, six of eight. So they came out really on fire. Mm -hmm. But when Aaron Holiday came in the game, there was definitely a drop off from a playmaking standpoint. Wasn't the greatest Aaron Holiday performance, especially in the first half. And that's where Devin Booker, to your point, Matthew, really took over the leadership role and said, hey, I've seen Aaron Holiday. There was one fast break where he's going down, Booker's on his right, and he could do a nice little bounce pass to Booker, and it's a layup. And he decides to go in there, and he gets his shit blocked by Jackson Hayes. And then he comes back down again, and he turns the ball over and like two possessions later. And from that, for the rest of the quarter, Devin Booker had the ball in his hands, and he went from scoring every time to facilitating a lot more. And that's the growth of Devin Booker is seeing the game the way that Chris Paul sees the game possession to possession, 
What did I see on that last one that's going to give me the information I need to be successful on this next one? Because that's what Chris Paul does. We've said it numerous times. He's one of the most cerebral players in the NBA consistently, and that's what you've been missing with him out. Now, granted, the Phoenix Suns, what's their record now, Matthew, without Dev, uh, without Chris Paul? Do you know offhand? I want to say it's 7-3. and three. I feel like you're right when you say that. I'm sure that one one of the Jamsters will correct us uh, in the chat. Thank you if you're in the chat, by the way. Hit that thumbs up while you're here. Uh, But yeah, I mean, if they're seven and three without Chris Paul, it's because of Devin Booker. It's because of the leadership that he's providing. Will you hear his name in any NBA MVP talks? No, No, of course not. You won't. And I, the Giants. (laughs) Yeah, just the Giants. Yeah, Giannis, Jokic, and uh, Rudy Gobert. No, Joel indeed. (laughs) <laughs> I almost got you, but you were too high to figure it out. Um, <laughs> I would never do one high, dude. Oh my god, I would be, even be able to be respond a, to that. That would be hilarious. Uh, but yeah, Devin Booker. I just thought that the way he performed tonight, you know, he's he won't he's not going to be my jam star, but I definitely think that he is a worthy uh, proponent for that award in this game because of the way that he led this team. And the more I talk about it, the more I realize, like when I hit the jam star segment. I'm probably wrong for saying who I think it is, but uh, we'll get to that momentarily. Um, let's, let, let's go ahead and do a little eight and watch. Shall we? Shall we? Do it. We shall. Eight and watch. So DeAndre Ayton on the night, 18 points, five total rebounds, seven of 11 from the field. Nothing overly uh, spectacular. I'll say that. Um, oh, and real quick, shout out to Suns Geek. He says it's seven and four. And oh, okay, if it okay. has to do with the Phoenix Suns, he's going to make a video about it. He'll probably make a video about the fact that they're seven and four because he is one of the best content creators mm, on Planet close. Orange. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Appreciate appreciate that, Suns Geek. Uh, but yeah, De- DeAndre Ayton, tell me what you saw from him tonight, knowing that you know we talked about a little bit already about how when you have two Twin Towers that he's going against, he's probably not going to be the most effective rebounder because he just doesn't have any weak side rebounding help. Yeah, I think we realize that too. So it's really up to Monty to like really figure that stuff out down the line when it comes into the playoffs. Um, honestly, I saw a really good. Um, hey, I said seven four first. Okay, yeah, it's David Ray. Just because I point out doesn't mean you have to read it. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm distracted. I'm high, so I see things in front of the <laughs> screen. I'm like, oh, what is that? I'm hallucinating. Uh, <laughs> um, but I saw a really nice bounce pass tonight from DA that won to Mikhail Bridges underneath the hoop, which was beautiful, man. That was something I don't think I've ever seen him do. We know that he can play and make, and I feel like that's a thing too going into his later years where he'll be a good passer. He's gonna mm-hmm. be probably pretty, pretty, pretty good, pretty, pretty good a passer. Um, but you know, the fast break pass that he received from Book and the lay-in, like stuff like that just shows you how agile he is. Um, there was a lot of, you know, from him and Booker too, in the paint, like, just kind of like, eh, like, you know what I mean? Like, eh, like, did you see that from book a couple of times too? Like, I don't know if he was complaining about a foul, but him and Aiden were kind of doing that, uh, all night long. So, I mean, with the Suns were winning, it's fine, but you know, Aiden, when he's not able to get the rebound, he's just kind of like, ah, I don't know what else to do. I kind of don't like the way that looks, but we'll leave it there. Cause I'm sure they'll just be like. I don't know, Aiden. I don't know either. Sorry, yeah. dude. We're just going to give up the rebounds. I don't know what else you want us to do because I'm like a foot smaller than these dudes. So Aiden's just like, ah, I don't know what to do. So they're just looking at each other like, I don't know what to do. So, yeah. Uh, I like what Fabio says in the chat. He says five rebounds doesn't sound good, but he probably would have had more if he played the fourth, which is a valid observation and something that if you look up and down the box score, uh, Mikhail Bridges posted 36 minutes tonight, but Jay Crowder, 21. DeAndre Ayton, 23. 
Devin Booker is three seconds shy of 30, and Cameron Payne had 26. On the first night of a back-to-back, that's the exact kind of statistic I want to read to you here. That's what's important. The team wins by, what, 16 points. DeAndre Ayton, yeah, 18-5. and But in a win like that on the first night of a back-to-back, knowing that you're going to play a hungry Rockets team that has that is very explosive, uh, and, that, and it's a, a team that DA can dominate in. You know, he he does well against Houston. He's saving that energy for Christian Wood tomorrow night. So you're right. Five rebounds doesn't necessarily look good. He had eight of his 18 points in the first quarter. So I'm not overly worried about the DeAndre Ayton performance tonight in any way, shape, or form. As I mentioned earlier, I just think that he needs a little bit of help on that. You know, we don't have a true power forward in, in the, every sense of the word, and I'm okay with that too. You know, that's a discussion you see some, from time to time. Whenever somebody puts something on Twitter about DeAndre Ayton and his rebounding or lack thereof, mm-hmm. the arguments start. And you, you, you fall into all these little different camps. And one of those camps is, well, we don't have a true power forward. And I'm okay with that. I like Jay Crowder as our power forward. I like to have the ability to, sh- to spread the floor and to have guys who can hit threes like Jay Crowder can. You know, he went three of six from beyond the arc tonight, and that accounted for all nine of his points. I'd rather have that than somebody who clogs the paint and doesn't allow DeAndre Ayton to operate in the space offensively. Now, defensively, of course you want that. You want somebody down there who's a twin tower, somebody oh, who can yeah. provide that, uh, that defense. But you know what? Because our guard play... And, and, and our wing play is so elite. Our defense, uh, we, I think we have, what, the second best defensive rating in the league. So there's no such thing as, like, a perfectly built squad, you know? So I like what we have. Do you like what we have? Or do you think that in the future a more traditional power forward could potentially be the answer? Oh, you know who my favorite, my yeah, power forward is. Yeah, you know what? It, it's been a while just because he's been Go injured. Ahead. Lights, Cameron, action. We miss you, we miss you, Cameron Johnson. We do so much. Uh, he he's my guy. I just he has the ability really to box out and be that other guy. He's bigger than what most people think. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think he can handle himself down there and help DA at times. So when he comes back, I'm not saying it's going to be something this year. Well, you'll see him as a dominant rebounder, but everything else he's doing to improve his game is just going to take a little bit of time. Um, I just think he can be that guy. He can be get even. I don't. Know, he's pretty big now. I don't know if he can get any bigger. Yeah. But uh, he get, he's like the biggest guy we have that can be more versatile offensively. That you can leave on the floor longer ex- extended periods of times. That's that's Cameron Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. you know he's bigger than Jay. He's bigger than Mikhail. And both Jay's playing the power forward. Sometimes Mikhail is, and then you have Tory Craig coming in playing the four. So out of all those guys, I think Cameron Johnson is our future four. And mm-hmm. of course, you can play him at the three as well. Well, and again, I think that what what do you want to accomplish? Uh, do you want to have a team that is locked down defensively and, and smashes the boards? but offensively can be impaired at times uh, because they don't have that outside shooting? Or do you want a traditional or a non-traditional four like we have where we can spread the floor, we can do, we can focus on our team rebounding and we can hit that, those three balls offensively. So it's kind of like, you know, what do you want? So I I definitely think that, you know, the Phoenix Suns at times that's been our Achilles heel. You know, again, if you look at tonight overall, the second chance points, 29 for the Pelicans and only 12 for the Suns. If you look overall, 13 offensive rebounds for the Pelicans, only six for the Phoenix Suns. And it's something that we've noted kind of over the past yeah, three weeks is yeah. we do have challenges with our rebounding and especially giving up uh, offensive rebounding. But as I mentioned in the preview for this game on the last podcast, this is also a team 
that ha- is the third best offensive rebounding team in the league. So it's kind of expected. I think the Phoenix Suns knew that. And again, they focused on ensuring that they got wide open looks from beyond the arc. And if they could knock those down, they could win. Well, that's what they did. They outshot the New Orleans Pelicans uh, 18 to 12 from beyond the arc. So that's a, a plus 18 for the Suns from deep. And, you know, they win by 16. That's just math, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just really quick, too. I was going to say something. I totally forgot. So go ahead. No worries. Uh, one question I had for you. Did you see Aiton's shoes tonight? No, I did not. Which ones was he wearing? I didn't notice. Dude, they look like leopard skin or something. They were like, you know, orange. It was like a the, the Cheeto guy. I don't oh, know. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was just my reception <laughs> watching wore- it. You know? Yeah, maybe it's the same ones I saw the other night because they don't wear a whole lot of different shoes. Like usually it's like three or four throughout the whole season. Um, it's probably the ones I saw the other night, but I didn't notice it tonight. But the ones are they shiny? A little bit shiny. shiny. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I like the ones I saw the other night though. I, I thought it was an interesting look from DA. So I thought I'd bring that up in eight and watch. Uh one <laughs> thing I want to talk about, something that Kellen Olson tweeted out uh before the game this evening. Uh, was something Monty Williams had said. And I want to get your opinion on this because we've we've talked about the officiating. We didn't talk about the officiating tonight, uh, which I feel is a good thing. You take a look at the total number of fouls in this game. Uh, there was more fouls by the Suns than the Pelicans, 22 to 19. Uh, from a the, the, the Suns shot 15 total free throws. The Pelicans shot 24. I feel like that's, you know, we still had, they still had nine more attempts than we did. But I, I don't feel like it affected the game, nor did I feel like there was a plethora of bad calls. But I think we felt some bad calls over the past two weeks. And Monty Williams has definitely made it known to the media that he's not a fan of the way that the Suns are sometimes officiated. Sometimes there are, there are some tic-tac fouls. And I wanted to bring this up just because you and I have mentioned that on the podcast. And we don't like talking about the officiating. But I like what Monty said. He said uh, he would like to see the league at a fourth official so there's less real estate for each referee to cover. Talked about how the refs are assigned to make calls in certain quadrants and such. Couple calls on each side tonight made me think of that, is what uh, uh, Monty said. And I don't know if you saw the highlight. I think it was yesterday in which Patrick Beverly fell on the ground. You had Zach Collins from the Spurs just step over him, got teed up for it, and the official who teed him up was like 50 feet away. What are your thoughts on a potential fourth official just to – assist with kind of ensuring that your zone is taken care of and taking less real estate away from the, the referees as Monty suggested. Uh, I think four is four is good. It's more eyes, of course. Um, but I think the refs, they actually enjoy this. I think they enjoy, um, you know, the back and forth and you're, Hey, you're 50 feet away. I'm going to call a play I think they like the anxiety of getting yelled at. I think they enjoy it. I think it's something that <laughs> they have to prove to everybody that they're right. They're going to do what they want to do. Those charging cal- calls that they call when they can't get, they get right into it. They get that hop step and just go like charging. You know what I mean? When they step into that, they love that stuff. Um, but if you get like the fourth official, it'd be fine there. Um, they might be a little bit more in the way though. Right. I just think that the way this works is um, we get a little bit crazy and just have one in the booth too, you know, just quickly, like in the NFL a little bit, but I don't mm-hmm. know if that's going to work. I mean, you can call a call and then really quickly, it's a replay. And then the ref in the booth would just be like, no, no good. And just continue on with the play. But I don't know if basketball that would work. I think the NFL, it'll work, but basketball needs to do something because like we've talked about before, the beginning of the season, it was so great. There wasn't a lot of calls. It was mm-hmm. more aggressive and now they switched things. And now, 
you know, they're calling those technicals from 50 feet away. They're doing whatever they want when they're not really seeing anything. Any ticky tack foul is a foul now. Sometimes it's a flagrant one. So it's kind of went the opposite way now towards the end of the season. Yeah, I just think that there's no consequence for shitty calls in the NBA. And I don't know if adding a fourth referee is going to solve that issue. I think there needs to be some sense of, hey, because we've seen it. We've seen the last two-minute report where they sit there and they go, oh, no, Jamal Murray actually traveled on that play and the Suns should have won that yeah. game. Like, you're not going to reverse that game. But, you know, if, if a player says something to an official, they get fined 50 grand. Like, why don't you fine officials for not doing their job correctly? What a what a concept. If you don't do well at your job, there's a consequence to that because it does create this kind of elitist, infallible sense that some of these officials have to where they can do whatever they want because there's no consequence to it. And if they are, if there is a consequence, make it public so everybody knows. Uh, but again, I, I think that, you know, I kind of mirror your point on that one. I don't know if four is too many. I just thought it was an interesting observation. And again, it was nice that we kind of did a, uh, or had a game in which we didn't have to sit here and talk about the officiating. That's two in a row. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, and I don't think and it's that, after Monty said something, right? Yeah. It was after Monty said something in the press conference. I feel like. Yes. So well, it's after, you know, it's when we play the bucks, man, it's just, it's so one-sided and I get that Giannis yeah. puts you in, in tough situations, but at the same time, like he also, and, and you saw that Giannis gotten, he fouled out of that game. We played him because they were calling offensive fouls on him. And you know, it's because Monty was riding the refs in that game. Be like, dude, if my guy's standing there with his hands up and he's in the lane and Giannis just puts his, his shoulder down, just bar barrels into him, he's creating the contact. He yeah. doesn't get a right to go through players. They're allowed to stand their ground. So again, when I talk to friends about basketball and anybody who's watching, anybody who listens, I'll tell you this. You, you're a true fan of basketball. If you're listening to a team-specific podcast, you love your basketball. And we all have friends who we try to share that passion with. And the first thing we say that we get uh, responded to if we tell ask somebody like, "Hey, are you a Suns fan?" Oh, sure, yeah. Like, so you know, and you start talking about it a little. Oh, I don't watch it that much. Well, why not? Uh, the officiating—it's inconsistent. It doesn't make sense to me. It's bullshit across the lines, and that's kind of been the consistent thing with basketball. In my opinion, it's the most fun, most uh, uh, exciting, uh, engaging sport there is. It's nonstop action. It's two and a half hours max, so it's not like it's a four-hour baseball game. Even football, which is super fun to watch is four hours. So basketball is such a fun sport to watch, but the officiating is what really turns people off to it. And you really start to see it uh, as we enter March Madness and there's going to be some bad calls there and people talk about that as we enter the playoffs, you know, and, and night to night we have that conversation. I just wish there was some sense of accountability. So, And really quick too, um, the way players have to approach the game. So is it like a clean slate every game they start where the refs are just like, all right, I don't know anything about this team, whatever. And then the, these players have to let me know what's going on. Then I'll pay attention to it. And then I'll call those fouls. Like, you know, when, when players complain, they end up getting their calls yes. later on in the game. Is that always a thing? Or do the refs already know this stuff? Like, shouldn't they already know what a fucking foul is? You would think so. But again, one thing that sucks about officiating is the human element. Because with humanity, whether it's uh, good or not, everyone comes with bias. Mm -hmm. And that's the key word. It's bias. True. So as the game continues, they have a bias towards a certain player or not based on the level of uh, complaining that's occurring, the way that they're complaining, and they enter the game with bias. You know, the Phoenix Suns could be, you know, we know this from when the, the, the 
times when the Phoenix Suns were shitty teams. We were winning 19 mm-hmm. games. It felt like we could never get a call to go our way. And you look at the overall foul numbers game to game, and the Phoenix Suns were like 27th in the league in uh, personal fouls. You know, and that's to say, like, they committed the most. And so they referees, you'd enter the game, and the referees would already have this bias against the Suns. Like, this is a team that plays over physical, and because they suck, they're not smart. So they call every ticky tack thing, and the Suns would be. Like a like a mouse running, you know, churning butter, trying to get out of out out of there because they couldn't get out of their own way, and it just got ridiculous for a time. I mean, you remember yeah. those times, right? I do, and like Booker, I think he's maybe the only guy that can really get to the line when he wants, maybe. But do you think because maybe he started too late in his career to get calls, it's like too late? Like you know what I mean? Like he can't really develop a game to where he can get foul calls. You know, like a James Harden or all of these players that no, get like Joel Embiid or no, because of the way that Devin Booker, the, the difference between Devin Booker, in my opinion, be, between Devin Booker and the James Hardens slash Luka Doncic slash Dylan Brooks's of the world, uh, is they play the refs like, Mom, he hit me, whereas mm-hmm. Devin Booker is like, this motherfucker hit me. It's a difference, yeah. and you see it on his face. Yeah. It's you know only seven percent of the way we communicate is words. The other eighty-three or the other ninety-three percent is body language and tone. And yeah. Devin Booker has body language that turns off refereeing. And I'm sure if you ever sat courtside and you hear Devin Booker's tone, he's got a deep voice and he sounds like he's yelling at you in a mean way. He's worked Whereas, on that too, man. Absolutely, he, yeah. he he's a cold-blooded killer. He's like he ain't got time for anybody like that. Whereas. James Harden, I mean, we've seen Luca. He's like, but come on, guys, I, I, they, they hurt me, you know. And like James Harden's like, ah, and D- Dylan Brooks is like, ah, my ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? And Luca's so like, painful, man. Yeah, Luca is painful to watch. Yeah, like and, I, I, you know what? That Mavericks team might go far in the playoffs, but that's gonna suck to watch that shitty team. When oh, I know. He's doing that. Oh, especially if the if the. Uh, NBA officials, as we've seen throughout this season, are starting to fall back to the allowing all the ticky tack shit, you know? Yeah. Why do you think the, the uh, Atlanta Hawks suck ass this year? Cause Trey young hasn't been to get, a, been able to get away with a lot. Now, Grant, there's a, it's a loaded question. There's a million different reasons why. And if you ask any Hawks fans, they'll list like 13 things before they get to, Oh yeah. And Trey young doesn't get the calls like he used to, mm-hmm. but he's starting to again. And when that happens again, it's not a fun NBA to watch. So no. my apologies. It was definitely a, uh, a tangent, uh, but it's all right. It was know. a quick, weird game. You know, this game was like it was a over, fast you know? game. Man. It was super fast. I was like, there's not a whole lot of notes I took. But oh, um, I took like three. But I also wrote the <laughs> yeah, you wrote the thing. <laughs> I wrote the recap for Bright Side of the Sun. So that's you know, I was really in tune with the game, and I was really in tune with the performance of this guy. Double McGee. JaVale McGee in this game had a total of 19 points, 13 of which occurred in the fourth quarter. And I think that is he played a key role as well as the rest of the starter, or I'm sorry, the reserve players for the the Phoenix Suns, not only ensuring that this team won the game, uh, they, they, they entered that fourth quarter and they extended the lead and ultimately put this team away. Uh, Torrey Craig, 12 minutes in the fourth. Aaron Holiday, 12 minutes in the fourth. JaVale McGee, eight and a half minutes in the fourth. Landry Shamit, Shamit, eight and a half, uh, eight and a half minutes in the fourth. So, you know, then it was Alfred, Bismack, and Ish Wainwright all came in with 330 mm-hmm. left in the game. 
but I really thought it was the effort provided by JaVale McGee. And as, as you mentioned, and Eddie mentioned it on the broadcast as well, they had to bring in Jonas Valanciunas. They had to bring him back in the game sooner than he wanted to because Willie Green was afraid that this game was going to slip away. And because of that, he was just a little fatigued. And then you sprinkle some of that, that double O McGee sauce on top. And he was cooked, man, because his energy is ultimately what broke Valanciunas in this game. Yeah, he was basically the closer tonight. He just he wouldn't stop on the offensive glass. I mean, even the fourth, he was five for five. And yeah. it really was like the beginning of the fourth. It was like anything that was missed, he was there to clean it up and put it back in. Um, but the energy he plays with, of course, and Eddie was talking about how Monty wants him to play the 14 to 18 minutes a game. And it's, it doesn't seem like that much, but the energy he puts throughout those minutes it equals like a 24 minute game, right? It seems like it because of all what he does on the court just kind of gives rest to the other guys where he can build up that lead with the bench and then the, the reserves are, I'm sorry, the starters can come back in and finish the job. But like tonight, it's like, it's one of those games where it's like, he just closed it out and he's done that in the past, but he like single-handedly did it tonight. I feel like it's yeah. start the fourth. He really awesome. did. He really did. Yeah. You know, I was again, writing the recap entering the fourth quarter neither Landry Shamit or Aaron Holiday has scored a point. And they hadn't they hadn't shot a ton either. They just hadn't scored yet, you know? And I, I think that it was Torrey Craig and JaVale McGee who ultimately were like, listen, we're getting beat up down low, so let's just kind of you, – you guys keep shooting threes outside from the starters, and when we come in, we're going to try to lock down that interior. And we didn't need Aaron Holiday to be great. I'm not going to sit and, and dog Landry Shamit tonight because I, we didn't need him to be great tonight. It was JaVale McGee, as you mentioned, who came in with that closers mentality like he's Alejandro Pena for the Atlanta Braves in 1993. And he closed the game out. And, I mean, you saw the way that he does it, too, with his rebounding, with his awkward shots. Not only does he close it out, he does it in in a very deflating way. You know, it was the same thing with a lot of this game. This was a very deflating game for the Pelicans because when you look at the turnovers, they, I, I forget what the number is on total turnovers. Uh, 17. 17 turnovers for the Pelicans equated to 33 points for the Suns. So it's like anytime they turn the ball over, the Suns executed on it. And that's deflating. And then you go down and you got JaVale McGee. You've played defense on him great. He does this like weird pirouette up and under thing, and it goes in and it's an and one. You know, it's just like, you're like, fuck. And there's nothing we can do to beat this team tonight. I guarantee you that's how Pelican fans, if you're watching the Pelicans jam session, uh, their version of that. They're probably talking about just that. It's like, no matter what we tried tonight, the Suns had an answer for. And that was personified, in my opinion, by JaVale McGee. Yeah, and also, like, it seemed like the lead that the Suns had, it seemed like it was a quiet, big lead. And I feel like the Pelicans kind of felt like maybe they were playing good and they were close, but they would look up at the scoreboard like, oh, shit, we're down by 20. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like one of the, it was a, I don't think I've ever felt this kind of game this year from the Suns where it just seemed, I know the three pointers were going down, the turnovers to, to points, all that was good, but it just seemed like, you know, Pelicans were playing their ass off and then they probably just thought, you know, this might be a close game in the fourth and it really, it, it never really was a close game. It really wasn't. It so was, it was just, just weird. Well, it was just a sustained performance by the Suns. You know, you look, yeah. they scored 33 points in the first quarter. They had 34 in the second. They had 31 in the third and they had 33 in the fourth. So every quarter they scored 31 or more points and you know the the pelicans had 30 points twice they did in the second and the fourth 
29 in the first, 23 or 26 in the third. So they they were playing well. It's not like they had yeah. one of those. You know, the, the Suns will do that to you every now and then. All of a sudden, it'll be like, boom, 15-point opposition. <laughs> I know, you know, and you're, oh, well, that's the game. That's the why. And the Suns didn't necessarily do it throughout the entire or, or uh, in one quarter all at once. They did it over an entire game. Now, granted, the Pelicans had that run where they went 14-2 on the Suns. The Suns were up by like, uh, God, I feel like it was like 18 or something. And all of a sudden, it was like a four-point game just like that. So they had the confidence to stay in this game, but that sustained effort from the Suns led by the bench who outscored their bench, I believe it was 43 to 29, something like that. Uh, and that's the name of the article that I posted on Bright Side of the Sun is the Suns depth proves to be superior. They down the Pelicans 131 to 115 because that's ultimately what it was. Our depth not only was sustained throughout the entire game from a scoring standpoint. It was so good. We didn't have to have our starters come back in the fourth quarter. Uh, our main starters campaign played some minutes, but DA uh, played just a little bit. Devin Booker, you didn't see him again. And that's the way it should be. And that's what happens when you have a deep team like this Phoenix Suns team. Yep. 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 Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, as a reminder to subscribe, rate, and review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a review, and we'll leave, we'll read it live right here on the Suns Jam Session Podcast. As I pull up my Apple Podcasts on my Apple iPhone, uh, I will tell you that – let's see if we have any new reviews, Matthew. See if anybody went on there, gave us five stars, and then wrote something that we could read right here on the pod. Let's see here. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Here we go. We have a new one. Yes. Sunday from Strokes. Five stars. I've been meaning to write this review for you guys for a while now. Uh, but life gets lifey. Agreed to that, Strokes. Everything in due time. I've been listening for a couple years now, and you guys have slowly but definitely surely become my favorite son's podcast. Appreciate that because there's some good ones out there. Uh, first, the solar First, the solar panel breaks up. Now every day I wake up and got an ad problem with Locked On. No disrespect to those shows, but the John and Matthew vibe is unmatched. It's probably because Matthew's high as shit half the time. Those gummies are really good. Uh, and my other favorites have morphed into things I don't recognize anymore. But you guys uh, feel like home for Suns fans, and I know win or loss, I can come home and love my son's family. Uh, I'm from the Bahamas, though. Shout out to Aiden. So I'm always going to listen to the pod as opposed to watch it on YouTube, which is absolutely fine. Listen to the pod. I love it uh, because timing became a Suns fan during seven seconds or less era because I would stay up late when the house was quiet to do homework. And it would normally be when the Suns were playing those late night games, fell in love ever since and never abandoned the ship. Although I thought about it. Trust me, strokes. We've all thought about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, those were some rough dark. Oh, we did. <laughs> 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 love the childhood trauma segments love most of the drops the juice drops doesn't really translate over audio i can i can see that uh, and i love how dedicated you guys are to being Suns fans matthew lissy you are a prophet i love that uh, i believe Shamit will be crucial for us too you already called it john you know he's gonna be right continue making this great content and i can't wait to get a Fe get to phoenix to celebrate a championship parade hashtag son hashtag sons 2022 hashtag go home and love your family at warlord 1914 thank you very much for that yeah that thank really you means that was lot. good yeah that was, was a good review man that yeah that really was it appreciate really, it it's uh no that that makes matthew want to get high <laughs> i know <no. laughs> 
Whew. So, Matthew, you already said you are. Oh, yeah. Fabio says, wait, no juice drop. Well, listen, Strokes just told us in the chat that it's not good for audio. It's only good for video. What's up? It's a juice. But hell, you were here and <laughs> watching on video. And you know what? He had a great game. Three of six, I believe, from beyond the arc. Total of 11 points. Matthew, who's your GM star of the game? Still Devin Booker after everything we've talked it's about? It's Devin. Today? But what we should have done is just like talk about every player. Be like, oh, no, he's not my jam star, though. And just never release <laughs> our jam And then, ne- then never do the <laughs> drop. Never say. And tomorrow we're playing it. the Rockets. Uh, oh, I'm giving mine Booker, to JaVale man. McGee. I'm giving it to JaVale. Wow. I really think there that the energy he brought in that fourth quarter is what pushed the Suns ultimately out of the range of the Pelicans having any hope. He was the hope taker tonight. So that's why <laughs> he gets it from me. Uh, cool. Ted Lubin, BDB. Jewel gives it to Double O McGee. Uh, Fabio gives it to Big Dick Booker as well. A uh, couple comments <laughs> I saw in here. Um, what's what's going on with Cam Johnson from Jess, Jeff Macias? You know, what I've heard uh, lately from, you know, the best thing to do, honestly, is just follow Flex on, uh, yes. from Jersey. Does a great job of kind of breaking down these questions. And that's kind of where I turn to when I have these kind of questions. What's going on with Cam Johnson? Well, it sounds like he has that quad contusion. It's something that hurts. Uh, it's getting better, and he could be back within a week or two. But the Suns don't necessarily want to rush him back because they don't need to right now. They're 55 and 14. Uh, Coach Evan B., host of the He's on Fire podcast, asks in the chat, can the Suns finish seven and five to get the best record in franchise history? Uh, yes, I think so. And that's, but, but again, to that point, the Suns don't need to rush back Cam Johnson because they're so far ahead right now. I mean, Memphis won today. So, and we won again. And you know, every Memphis fan's just like, shit. You know, of course, they're battling out to see who they're going to have to, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the two or the three seed with the Warriors and all that fun stuff. And now that Draymond Green's back, apparently, uh, you're just, you're going to beat the entire world, and they're going to win the championship, is what he said. Uh, but I mean, what are your thoughts on Cameron Johnson and the rest that he's essentially getting right now? Did Draymond really say that? Because I feel like everyone yes. keeps saying that shit. So yes. every player that's hurt right now is basically the same. When we no, no, he came back, and they're going to win the championship. I think he came back. They played okay. who they who they played like the Trailblazers, and they beat yeah. the shit out of him. And they're like, well, he's like, well, we're going to win the championship. It's like, come on, dude, you beat the Blazers. <laughs> I don't know, man. It still scares the shit out of me. Of course, that's I, uh, a scary team. I know, I know. Everyone's gonna be healthy for the playoffs, so here we go. Um, so Cam Johnson, yeah. I mean, usually Flex will tweet out anything you're thinking about before you go on Twitter. You'll be thinking about the Suns. <clears throat> Any questions you have, I'll just automatically have it there for you. Uh, but what was your original question? Sorry. Uh, Cam Johnson. Just about Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. What are your thoughts? Yeah, get some rest. Just get some rest, and it's not really a guy that you feel like you know. Oh, he's got to get his legs underneath him. I feel like he'll come back in. He'll still be the tank he is. He'll take down. He'll he'll throw down some threes. He'll you know just make the offense work without Booker and uh, Mikael Bridges on the floor. So I'm looking forward to that, dude. And Suns will probably only lose one more game the rest of the year. I think. I don't think they're ever going to slow down. I think they're going. We looked at that schedule last last podcast, and we're like, I don't know. That's why, though, I think because of the competition. I think (laughs) that's true. Keeps them engaged. Yeah, for the rest of the year. Well, and a lot of the jamsters are reminding me the Warriors beat the Wizards, the lowly Wizards, and that's where the the championship comments came out. Thoughts. Um, brains. So our thoughts is where we talk about things around the NBA that might affect the Suns, might not affect the Suns, but it's fun to talk NBA stuff. Uh, one thing that Iverson vlog says: Golden State Warriors might have to play a healthy Denver team in round one, which could be scary for them. 
uh, because Jamal Murray was assigned to the G League today. So Jamal Murray could be back, which clearly means that the Denver Nuggets are going to sweep everybody now, now that they have Jamal Murray back. Yeah, uh, and what, MPG or no? He's, or MPJ, sorry. MPJ, I don't know what his status is, but I know that Jamal Murray's on the on the rebound, no, if you will. He's the guy but, I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm worried about both of them, and potentially they could be both healthy healthy for the playoffs, and that's what the Golden State Warriors might have to play in for you know the 3-6 matchup. That's a hell of a 3-6 matchup because I don't care if, if Denver doesn't beat the Warriors. They will beat up the Warriors, and I think that's valid. Yeah, and we'll be rooting for Denver too, I think, in that series. Anything to get um, the Warriors out of there. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, whatever happens, happens, but we do have Chris Paul um, not healthy either. So we have our thing where we can say, hey, wait till Chris Paul comes back. We're going to win the championship. So. <laughs> what are your thoughts on both Kyrie Irving and Carl Anthony Towns going for 60 points in consecutive nights? Yeah. It's pretty crazy, right? I mean, yeah. uh, good, good for Cat. Good for them winning over there. I'm excited about. I'm actually, I don't know how I feel about this Nets team. I know that they were very, very scary. Now, I know we just picked the Sixers, I think, to go to the finals last week. And now that after they beat and destroyed them, and now James Harden doesn't look the same ever since. I know, it's right? It's kind of like, now it's like the Nets. Like, I don't want the Nets to go to the finals just like last year. Last year, we feared playing the Nets. Now, if the Nets stay healthy and Kyrie can play, I mean, that's that team is, like I said, Kyrie and KD, that's all you need offensively to win a championship. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, I don't know how anybody stops that team. With with Andre Drummond, uh, Seth Curry too, the way they're playing, oh, but yeah, um, it's pretty cool. The sixty point games, it's it's nice to have the back to back. I think because LeBron just did the fifty and fifty, and then yes. now got the sixty and sixty these last two nights. Yeah, no, and you know, real quick to piggyback on what you said about the the Nets is they're they're the team that has always scared me. I the Sixers. I mean, did you hear what KD said about? what their strategy was to beat the Sixers in that game. He's like, we're just going to run them off the court because oh. they can't keep up with us. And I don't know what's going to happen with the Nets this year, but I'll tell you this, you know, they'll potentially they'll get Ben Simmons back and they get Ben Simmons back. He is a perfect fit for that situation. Like you distribute, you play defense uh, and the other guys will take care of the scoring. So that's going to be terrifying. And then Kyrie's when, defense too. Well, exactly. I mean, when like, he when he's engaged yeah, and he wants to play it, yeah. So he was playing against Harden though, and Harden can be kind of a bitch sometimes. So yeah. Uh, yeah. What what I really liked is I liked the Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. sixty point game. It kind of sucks because the next night Kyrie comes out and scores sixty and completely snatches the headlines from Cat, and that's kind of typical I feel of of all Minnesota basketball. But you look at where Minnesota is right now, and I'm going to pull up the playoff picture for those of you who are watching along live, and you'll see that as of today. If we were to have the uh, the playoffs start, Minnesota would uh, actually start with uh, playing in the first round of that play-in game against the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> and the Los Angeles Lakers would have to play the team that we played tonight, the New Orleans Pelicans. If the Lakers had to play the Pelicans, who do you think wins? And if Minnesota had to play the Clippers, who do you think wins? And get used to this conversation because we're going to be having this a lot because we're getting ready for playoff <laughs> yeah. time, baby. No, I know, I know, I know. Um, it's going to be the Lakers. Lakers will win. Uh, and I, I hate so. it. I think so. I, I, I don't. Think I don't. I know. I just, I just, I have to see them die every year before I can say <laughs> they're going to lose. I really do. That's just the way I am. That's the way. Well, but if they I've lose that game, then they, they're, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they lose that game, they gone. Yeah, it's true. And uh, you know, Minnesota, the Clippers team. What's so scary is Paul George might come back, maybe. Uh-huh. But that team is just. They're, I they're think Kawhi has a better chance right of coming back than uh, does he? Paul okay, George does. yeah. 
Mm. It's, it, I just think because the Clippers and it's Clippers and Lakers, I'm gonna choose them. But I would love to see Minnesota and the Pelicans sneak in there, man, because they, you know, it's been a while for both those franchises. Absolutely, it'd be fun to watch. And I, I honestly think that if the Pelicans played against the Lakers, that the Pelicans would win that game. They have a little bit of size. They have a little bit of. Uh, they, they they can deter what the Lakers do well. The Lakers no longer have size, and we saw the size tonight. And if you get Brandon Ingram back and you get CJ McCollum out there, anything can happen in one game, man. Anything. That's all I got to say. Yeah, um, I, I just I can't wait, man. I can't wait. for. We'll, de- we'll definitely talk about these things a lot more moving forward. We have to. Uh, real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Suns versus Rockets. Thoughts? Um, you know, it'll be a win. I think DA dominates again. And honestly, you know, this Rockets team can be scary, but no, the way the Suns have been playing, the way they've been dealing with these teams that are scrappy, they're they're fierce and they just they want to make a statement against the, the best Everybody. team in the in the NBA. It doesn't matter anymore. I think they can just handle them. Yeah, no, with a lot of rest too tonight. A lot of rest helped. Yep. And again, the, the advantage of playing those back to backs is you got some rest tonight, but you're still in in rhythm, in flow. Anyone who says the, the only time a back-to-back hurts a team is if they have to play a tough physical game one or game two, and they're just fatigued in the second half. And you shouldn't see that fatigue in the second half. You're going against a team in Houston who doesn't play defense. The reason they can beat you is they're, they just, they're too stupid not to shoot a million threes and have half of them go in. That's how they can beat you is on the offensive end. They're not going to beat you by wearing you down defensively. So the, the Phoenix Suns shouldn't be fatigued at all in this upcoming game. And due to that, I believe that the Phoenix Suns win, and we go up to fifty-six and fourteen. Not only nice. Gummy tonight. Yeah, yeah. Well, you take two gummies, and uh, everybody <laughs> has a good time. So, uh, on that note, gummy jamster watcher listeners, thank you for hanging out for the show. Thank you. Uh, I forget the name of the guy who left us the Warlord of nineteen fourteen. Thank you for leaving us that that ever so nice uh, review on Apple Podcast, calling Matthew a prophet. These are the facts. He <laughs> yeah. takes the gummies. Not the first. He time sees the future. So he'll <laughs> tell you whether or not <laughs> Fabio go home and love your edibles. <laughs> uh, on that note, please subscribe, rate and review. Please go ahead and hit that thumbs up button while you're here. Let everybody know where the best post game podcast on planet orange is, uh, whether you're watching or listening, we appreciate it. And we'll see you tomorrow night after the suns play those Houston rockets. Yeah. Go home and love your family. Take care. <laughs>